I'm Lillian Vasquez with Lifestyles on KVCR. Thanks for listening. On today's show, it's part two of my conversation with singer, songwriter, author, and award-winning entertainer, Tony Orlando. Last week, we heard about Tony's early days, singing his hits, Knock Three Times, and Candida, while trying to remain anonymous so he wouldn't get fired from his recording and music executive job. Well, the truth came out, and the rest is history. This week, we pick up our conversation with Tony sharing more about Don, how he met members Telma Hopkins and Joyce Vincent Wilson. He talks about their iconic variety show you might remember from the 70s. He also shares his philosophy on live performances and discusses what projects he's working on. Here's part two of my conversation with award-winning entertainer Tony Orlando. I want to ask you about the backstory of your most famous song in my mind, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree, and the momentum that came from it, and then the call from Bob Hope. Well, I got a call from Bob Hope to come and sing that song at the Cotton Bowl, 1973. The song was only out a couple of weeks to welcome home our POWs. And the great thing about that is I've reunioned with those POWs for the last 49 years. And next year on their 50th anniversary, and the 50th anniversary of Yellow Ribbon, mm-hmm. I will be hosting their 50th anniversary together nice. at the Nixon Library and being at their dinner and performing for them. They changed my life. These are the 500 bravest men I've ever met. And because of them, I've dedicated my life to raising money for veterans. So millions of dollars have been raised because of Yellow Ribbon and because of Bob Hope's introduction to this incredible military family of mine called the non-POWs. Now, Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree hit number one that year. I think you got Grammy Awards that year. It was a big song and so well received. I remember hearing it as a young girl and thinking and singing it. No, I I was very born, please. I, I was. And I was singing it and loving the song, knew every word, as did everybody. But it really lit your fire. I mean, it really boosted you and skyrocketed you. And then the variety show came following that. Tell me about the experience and the working in that variety show, because that was a, had to be a challenge, overwhelming, or was it a great ride? Well, it was a four, four year great ride. It started out with two years as the Yellow Ribbon, Tony Orlando and Dawn Show, then it changed to Rainbow, Rainbow Out. The reason it changed there is because the new president at CBS wanted to move our night up against a show called Happy Days. He thought we would be a good fight against Happy Days because mm-hmm. our demographic was so huge. Well, they kicked our butt. I mean, they had a, like a 70 rating. Nobody could compete with them. They were a phenomenon. So that four years ended because of Happy Days. But in those four years, remember something. Every Wednesday night, we had a 36-37 share. That meant 38 to 40 million people watched our show every single Wednesday. That's a big number. You don't see numbers like that in television anymore. And the reason was because we only had three networks. We didn't have three. (laughs) And you had some big name celebrities on that with, you know, back in the day, it was Jerry Lewis and Jackie Gleason. And you had some very big names on that show. Great experience, loved working with it, learning lines, long days, but you still loved it? Hardest work I've ever done in my life. I mean, that's the hardest job. I remember bumping into Carol Burnett in the hallway. 
she was on already, I think, by that time, nine years. Hmm. I was just finishing my first year, the second year. And she said, Tony, you, you have to allocate your time better. Because I would come in at six in the morning, and at six in the morning, we start to read the script for the show this week to rehearse. But then we would have a meeting to prepare for this show and the guests next week. And also try to figure out an idea for the third week. Plus pick five songs for us to rehearse as a group. Now we were the first multiracial group to ever have a prime time show, which by the way, is something we're very proud of. I bet, yeah. And not to even compare to Jackie Robinson, but in a world of television, we were the first to ever have that happen. Yeah. So can you imagine two years before we went on the air, it was headline news that Petula Clark kissed Harry Belafonte, a black man. Oh my God, she kissed a black man. And here we were coming on, two African-American ladies and a Puerto Rican, Greek Rican, half Greek, half Puerto Rican. And we didn't know what was going to happen up around the country. Well, you know what? It turned out we really didn't have a problem. Hmm. It turned out, I think the country made big giant steps. And at that point in time, even though All in the Family was, and I think the reason for it was, as ugly as All in the Family could be to a lot of people, it was self-deprecating. They were allowed to make fun of themselves, Mm -hmm. their nationalities, the color of their skin. So the humor aspect made things softer. Mm -hmm. Today, you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to say that, you can't have that joke, you can't, oh, don't hurt that group, don't have this, that didn't apply then in a way that allowed more freedom. Than we have today, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Let me reintroduce my guest as singer and songwriter and overall entertainer, Tony Orlando. Now, you had some big celebrities reach out when you were going through your rough patch. Now, looking back, would you help young artists or how would you advise young artists who are maybe faced with similar issues? Name the issue. Your drug situation at that time. Yeah. So I experimented in cocaine for nine months. I was never an addict. An addict goes on and on and on. But my parents taught me a breaking system called God. Mm. So my advice to young people is, you stay in touch with the Lord and you get in trouble, go back to him, Mm. ask for his help, and he'll never let you down. End of conversation. Ah, Got it. Thank you. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit. I read that you're one of the entertainers that is okay with signing autographs. In fact, it led to your second marriage. Yes, that's right. It did. My wife, my present wife, I married 33 years, Franny, came to see me at Disneyland with her mom and her brother and her aunt. And I was taking down the stage on the Tomorrowland part of Disney. And I see this family standing in the back. No seats. Everybody had left. And a little girl, about 14 years old, and I'm, you know, 13 years older than my, my wife, so you can figure out, always like 26. And I looked out and I said, this policeman was pushing them away. And I went, wait, wait a minute. You're going to push away the only person that wants my autograph? Are you kidding? No, young lady, you stay right there. And I walked to the back of the house. And I said, she had a little pencil in her hand. And this is my mother, and this is my Aunt Josie, and this is my brother, Sammy. What's your name? My name is Franny. You want an autograph, Franny? 
I really like your record, not three times. Oh, okay, great. Uh, I said, give me a paper. I said, uh, dear Franny, do you have a boyfriend? She paused. Come on, do you have a boyfriend? Yes. What's his name? Bob. You tell Bob that if he ever does you wrong, he has to deal with Uncle Tony. You got that? Yes, Uncle Tony. I wrote, dear Franny, God bless you, Tony Orlando, and I gave her the note. Thereafter, I would see Rose, Josie, Brother Sam, and Franny at almost every engagement I did after that. I watched her grow up, mm -hmm. right? So come, like, let's say around the years of her 26th or 27th birthday years, I hadn't seen Franny anymore. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. One day I get a phone call from my road manager. He says, Tony, you remember Francine Amarino? Yeah, is she okay? Oh, no, no, she's fine, but she called. She wants to know if you'd be able to come to her dad's birthday party because her dad loves you but was never able to come see you and he's had a heart attack and it would be a great gift. And I said, well, I absolutely. What's the date? He gives me the date. It's like three months away. What do I do? Stupid Tony, I don't show up. I forgot the date. Meanwhile, little Franny had the block tied in yellow ribbons for her dad's birthday. I don't show up. No one says anything to me. But six months later, my road manager says, Tony, you better call Franny. Her dad passed away and he never showed up for his birthday party. You can imagine how I felt, right? So I call Francine. I apologize profusely. Franny, let me take you and Rose, your mother, for dinner. Please, please. She says, tell you what, my mother's not feeling well, but if you want, I'll have dinner with you. <laughs> now, that was odd for her because she was never aggressive that way. Well, you, she was very shy. So I was like, wow. But I didn't realize she's a grown woman now. She's approaching 30. So I go and I have what was ended up being a, a coffee shop dinner, all right? And was sitting there, what was to be an hour maybe, I sat there for six hours. And in the six hours, I kept looking going, this woman is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But Tony, this is Franny. This is little Franny, what are you doing? But Tony, she's beautiful. But Tony, shut up, stop thinking like this. She's beautiful, I'm talking to myself. Finally, I asked the question, what are you doing on Mother's Day? She said, I'm going out to see my sister-in-law who thinks I don't know you. Oh, tell you what we'll do. I pick you and your mother up and we'll go to your sister-in-law's house and I'll knock on the door and she'll know you know me. I'm trying to make up to her, right? So I drive out all the way a long drive knock on the door, the sister-in-law opens the door and says, oh my God, <laughs> she does know you, right? We go in the house. We're in the house Mother's Day for about seven hours. Here's what I did. I walked over to Rose Amarino, her mom, and said, Rose, would it be okay with you if I proposed to your daughter for marriage today? Oh my. So is there a love at first sight? After 14 years of <laughs> watching her grow up, I guess you could say that day was love at first sight at dinner. And we had a fairy tale marriage, and we still do. No, oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, that's lovely. Okay, so you mentioned it briefly. You have a weekly radio show that airs on Saturday nights on WABC Music Radio. 
What's the show about? And do you like being able to ask the questions? Because I can ask questions all day long, but now are the roles reversed? And how is that for you? No, I'm not a good question person. That's a skill. That's an art form. <laughs> I'm good at answering the questions because I've done it a lot, but I'm a terrible interviewer. All right. But here's what I did do. When I did the radio show, believe it or not, it was during the pandemic, and John Casamitidis, who owns WABC Radio, oh, an old Greek friend of mine, called me and said, would you consider doing a radio show for me during the pandemic? I need to fill two hours. Have you ever thought about it? I said, John, I don't have to think about it. You're my friend. What do you want? Okay, from 10 to midnight? I said, that's fine. What? But I can't come to New York. Can I do it from my home? He said, yeah. So I get the microphone. My brother David, whose technology and is incredible, is my engineer or co-producer. And we sit down with his computer and this microphone. And I decided to create what I call audio documentaries. So it's not spinning records. It's really a concept, an idea formed into a listening documentary type show with music. So the first guest I called was Adam Sandler. And Adam came on, and it was a gigantic thing that we got Adam. No one gets Adam too easily. Then I got Lionel Richie to come on. Then I got Garth Brooks to come on. Well, the rest was history. After that, there wasn't too many people I couldn't get. So here's what we do. We pre-record the show. But here's the secret about my interviewing. I'm able to edit. Uh Aha! So therefore, the the interviews are always perfect. And that's because I want to respect the people I'm interviewing. Mm. Because that's what they deserve, like you have done to me today. Thank you. Tony Orlando's weekly show is Saturday Nights with Tony Orlando, which can be heard Saturdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific. You can stream his radio show and listen to past shows at wabcmusicradio.com. You're listening to Lifestyles on KVCR. We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, I'll continue my conversation with award-winning entertainer Tony Orlando. I'm Lillian Vasquez. We'll be right back. Stay with us. If you're just joining us, my guest is singer, songwriter, author, and award-winning entertainer, Tony Orlando. Now, tell me about your newest project, The Timeless, The Big Hits. There's a bonus track on this that includes America Is My Hometown, which I've been listening to. Tell me about that song. Well, I recorded an album with a guy who's won multiple Grammys. His name is Michael Omardian. Michael produced all of the Donna Summer records, Rod Stewart, Mike Holton. So he's one of these incredibly gifted songwriter arrangers. So, you know, he did that Sailing album with uh, Christopher Cross. Mm-hmm. You might know that one. Mm-hmm. And all of Donna Summer's albums. Yeah. Yeah. So he won seven Grammys for the Christopher Cross album. So I had a chance to work with him. And I came up with this title, America is my hometown. And the reason I did was I live in a small town in Branson, Missouri. I know the neighbors. I know the guy that owns the coffee shop. They're friends of mine. So a small town mentality, if we could apply it to the nation, it'd be easier to come together. So therefore, the reason I came up with the title, America is my hometown. 
So I went to Michael, we sat down at the piano, and we wrote the song. Time Life heard this album, Timeless, which all the artwork was done by my daughter, Jenny. And she did this fantastic idea of Timeless. And so we called the album Timeless because all the hits go back all the way to 1961. That's six decades of hits. That's us, 85 million record sales. And so Jenny came up with the idea of these records are timeless, and there you have it. To the Appalachian Pines, America is my hometown. When I look around at the bravest ones who keep our freedom sound, and I hear Well, it's a beautiful song. I really like it and love the words. Now, at 78, you're still performing on stage. Today, of course, I'm guessing you have to sing. You can't leave the stage without singing Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree, Knock Three Times, Candida, Sweet Gypsy Rose, which I love, He Don't Love You Like I Love You. But what I want to know, what other songs do you like to add into the mix and why? You don't have enough time. Okay. Can you give me one or two? Here's what I mean by that. I don't have a set list. I don't go out on stage and say, okay, this is my show. And I don't know whether I'm going to open with Yellow Ribbon or close with Yellow Ribbon. Mm. The audience's vibe tells me where to go. So it would be unfair for me to say, here are the songs I'm doing when I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. Until I meet, you know what it's like? You know, this is a business where you can walk into a room full of strangers and leave that same room with a whole bunch of new friends. So you walk into this room and it's like walking into a party. Have you ever walked into a party and you can feel the vibe of where that party's gonna go? Is it a wild party? Is it a sophisticated party? Is it a quiet party? That's what happens to entertainers. When we walk on stage, the vibe in that room is set by the people there. And you know what's interesting? Every show, let's say there's 2,000 people sitting around, 10,000 in an arena, Every show has a different personality. This culmination of people of all ages, races, colors, different countries come together and they create this one huge human being. And that human being has a personality which tells me how to approach them. And your your band or your group is always ready to go at an instant when Tony switches to this or switches to that? Good question because if I hadn't worked with this band for 24 years, mm. I can blink and they know where I'm going. Mm. But there are little key words in my conversation mm. that they know what song's coming up. So there's always a hint. Ah, yeah. The audience doesn't realize it, but the band knows, oh, he just said this word. Yeah. We're going to He Don't Love You. As a performer, are you a storyteller or are you, are you just singing? I couldn't just sing. Yeah. I talk too much. <laughs> but you know, after five Entertainer of the Year Awards in Las Vegas, the first one I received was in 1979. The last one I received is in 2019. Mm. That's a pretty good spread over yeah. those years. So having been able to work on Broadway in Barnum, played Barnum on Broadway, mm-hmm. 
at Smokey Joe's Cafe mm-hmm. and headlining in Vegas for the last 50 years, there is an audience that's like family to me. That audience knows Tony. And they know that I'm going to get down to the last drop of blood before I leave that stage. And really, that's the attitude, is I'm not leaving here till you leave happy. Uh. I'm not leaving here until you feel you've forgotten every single problem you've had. In the last two hours, you don't have a problem. That's my goal, is them. It's not me or what I sing or how I sing. If I speak long, it's because they made me go there. If I speak less, it's because they made me go there. Right, yeah, I get it. If I ballads in a row, it's because they made me go there. If they want to party, we're going to party. We'll do Led Zeppelin. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) There's nothing that we don't do. By the way, Led Zeppelin, for your information, this is interesting, is six years older than tie yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. Really? Let me reintroduce my guest as singer, songwriter, author, and overall award-winning entertainer, Tony Orlando. Let me switch gears here. Prior to the pandemic, you were working on a Broadway project, Rooftop Streams. Share what the project was or is, and is it still moving forward? Still moving forward. The pandemic slowed it down. You know, on Broadway, you have to wait for theaters to open. (laughs) Not only open, but they're booked. So you have to wait for a show to get canceled or to leave to find a theater. You know, I live in Branson, Missouri. There's more theater in Branson, Missouri than there is on Broadway. There's 142 theaters here in Branson. There's not that in Broadway. That's for sure. So there's more seating the shows, live shows, and believe it or not, little old Branson, Missouri, than there is on Broadway. So you have to wait your turn. Tell me what the rooftop is about. What's the premise of it? Well, first of all, it's a musical about my life. And thanks to Frankie Valley, there is room for people's lives in the record business. And now Neil Diamond has his show just coming on, A Beautiful oh. Noise, just opening up this, I think, next month. Yeah. So those shows are referred to often as jukebox shows. Now, why do they say that? Because it's the life story of the act, mm-hmm. and inserted is all of their hits. Well, because I did Barnum on Broadway, I love the tradition of Broadway. I love new songs. So this play has our hits, but has 15 brand new songs written for the story, written for the play. Oh. Whether it's a hit or not on Broadway, no one never knows. Broadway is a very interesting part of our business. You cannot predict that that's going to be hit. Look, it took Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons 10 years to get that show on. Jersey Boys. It took Carol King's beautiful show 15 years to get that show on. So when you finally get on, you don't know what's going to happen. Is it is it the right timing for the show? Is it produced well? Does the audience love the person that they're watching the story about? I wanted to do a show that had nothing to do with fame or rags to riches. It had to do with a human's journey, a man's journey, starting from when I was 10 to when I had that breakdown that you talked about with Freddie Prinze, and I left the business. And the comeback for that year was to go back on Broadway and succeed. A very tough show to do called Barnum, yes. where I had to learn to walk a tightrope, you know, yeah, and sing and do a split on the tightrope, by the way. 
I don't know, I couldn't do that today. But of course, I was in my thirties, you know. I was pretty athletic, so I could do it. So Glenn Close was the co-star of Barnum. She's a magnificent actress. I followed a great circus performer, actor named Jim Dale. No actor wanted to do that show. That's the reason I got it. He says, I'm not learning to walk the wire. I'm not going there. I don't have to juggle. I learned all of that in two weeks because I wanted to be on Broadway. So now with my own story, it's a toss of the dice. I'm proud of it. I love what we've done. I think it's a hit show. But it's up to the public to see that. Yeah. So when it comes out, who knows where it's going to go. Lastly, I know I should ask this question before I let you go, but do you ever hear from or talk to Telma or uh, Joyce? Sure. They're my sisters. In a reunion tour not too long ago, uh, we worked for 10,000 seat auditorium in that Mohegan Sun, which I work still in, as a solo artist. But, you know, prior to the pandemic, I was doing 120 dates a year. Right? And Telma, by the way, I just got a note from my daughter, Jenny. She's back on as a regular in debt to me that hit television series oh. on Netflix, but she's the longest running sitcom actress in history. I don't know if people know that. Yeah. Are you aware of that? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine, she has not been off the air since 1973. She left our show, she went to Roots. She went to Bosom Buddies. She went to Give Me a Break. She went then to Family Matters. Mm-hmm. She was Aunt Rachel on Family Matters, you probably remember that, and she went to Half and Half. Then she went to Are We There Yet? Then she went to the Matrix movies. She did Matrix 4. Now she's back on with Debt to Me. This is a woman who's never, ever been off the television set since that's coming up to 50 years. I have to say, it's really a phenomenal success story. This wonderful actress, Telma Hopkins. She definitely has some staying power. And what about Joyce? Joyce is on the road with the Supremes. Remember, they all grew up together in Detroit. Mm. So the Supremes were their next door neighbors. They keep the Supremes legacy alive. Joyce goes all over the world, by the way, as a member of the Supremes. Tony, thank you so much for your time answering all my questions. I look forward to seeing you perform sometime in person. Thank you. It's my old neighborhood, you know. So I'm looking to come back soon. about Tony Orlando, visit our website at kvcrnews.org slash lifestyles and click on today's show. That's our show for this week. To hear any of our past shows, visit our website at kvcrnews.org slash lifestyles. You can also listen to Lifestyles on your favorite streaming service. Search for Lifestyles with Lillian Vasquez and take the show on the go. Lifestyles is on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us at 919lifestyles and search for Lifestyles with Lillian on Instagram. Thanks to all who helped to make this show possible, including Sharina Wad, David Fleming, Sean Houlihan, Natasha Coles, and executive producer Rick Dulock. Our theme music is provided by Ethan Bortnick. From all of us at KVCR and Lifestyles, Happy holidays, be safe, and be kind.
Join us next week at the same time for Lifestyles with me, Lillian Vasquez. Bye for now. Yeah, the